During the coronavirus crisis and lockdown, Rabbi Katz will be delivering an informal pre-Mincha study session on Zoom every day at 6.50 p.m. If you're interested in joining, please send an email to rabbidkatz at gmail.com indicating that you would like to be added to the Zoom meeting, and you'll then be sent the link to access the Zoom learning session. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Friday morning. I'm running behind. I guess it's becoming a mantra already. Somebody just wrote from Israel to want to sponsor something for next week. He's right because he didn't get a week ahead of the game. You never know what happens. I hope to have done this last night. Sad people in Israel over here, but uh, I'm snowed up to you. It's funny. You're in these quarantine situations. You're not doing anything. And uh, you're doing something all day long. Because between all the Zoom classes I have to give in college and school. And uh, for my show every evening. And, uh, you know, was, and there was no time. It's, uh, like, a, it's, it's like ridiculous. And then I'm trying to fit the podcast into that. So we live in strange times. What can I tell you? just want to say that today's uh, podcast is uh, being sponsored by Ari and Heather Elbaum. They had a baby girl yesterday. So Mazel Tov. That's a big deal. And, uh, uh, you know, you got Torah Chum and Tov, as the expression goes. Uh, first child, and uh, it's, it's a, a red-letter day over here. So uh, Mazel Tov and uh, still in the hospital, but soon home, and then they're going to discover <laughs> what parenthood is like. Mazel Tov. Uh, I wish Simchas on everybody. Now, uh, let me just say a few words about Parshish Tazrim. So it's really weird because I'll tell you what I mean. You know, I have to give these, you know, I'm a rabbi, so I have to give these uh, talks every day to the people in my shul. So we have like a 7 o'clock business. You end up talking about the Parsha already, Tuma, Tahira, all the rest of it. And uh, so I don't want to repeat myself. So uh, every all, all, all the best things. I usually think about when it comes to what I've already talked about. On the other hand, I don't want to spike this one either. And I'll get right down to the uh, chase. There's all kind of, obviously, as you know, Tazriam and Sarah, you got Saras, you got Dezov, you got all kind of different Tumas, which is weird enough. But the one that, for some reason, always catches my attention more than the others, whatever, is uh, the Tum of the house, you know, the, the Nega bias. It's just an interesting... Uh, Parsha, which is in Mitzvah, of course. And you find that over there, that there's such a thing called, you get the house condemned. Uh, it para- it, and maybe it's because I'm a homeowner. Everybody knows that, put the spiritual stuff aside. If you're a homeowner, if you got, you know, coloration on the walls, or this, that, and the other, in the pipes, that could be a sign the whole house is going to fall in. We all know this. This is the nightmare of homeowners. Uh, renters don't have to worry about it. The homeowner has to worry about it. And so you got to always keep uh, a watch on the physical plant of the house and of the property. Part of being a Baal is you don't simply own something, but you got to maintain it. Get it? So here we have something like a sort of a, a spiritual parallel of this. This week's Parsha, because it says when the language is just interesting, when you get to Eretz Canaan, and you'll get a nega in the bias. Okay? Uh, and it goes on to describe this at great lengths. I know you know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm assuming that everybody's familiar with the basic rules of the Nega bias. 
although they're a little bit complex, because you can't go exactly where it says Nechomish by the time the Chazal is finished with it. But you can just look at Rashi and you see, you know, when it says they'll, they'll uh, get rid of the house first, it means, uh, you know, this way and that way. But uh, there's the famous, let me put it this way, why does it have to say when you get there, it's Canaan, I'll put the Nega in, in the house. Of course, that's a fact. When they're in the desert, they didn't have a house. So, uh, I'm sorry, when, when they're in the desert, you don't have a house. But, uh, uh, in Chaim, somebody says that. But, uh, you know, there's something unusual about the fact that it says Kisavol, it's Canaan. And that's the base of the Chazal that Rashi brings down, that, you know, uh, the Canaanites, the Amari, hid stuff, jewelry in the walls, and if you knock down the house, you'll discover them. But that's weird, because it doesn't sound like this is a plus, it sounds like this is a minus. It's bad to have a neg in the house. Yeah, yeah, it means your tummy. Uh, it's not like, let me put it this way, if God wants you to find treasure in the wall, he'll make lightning strike the house, or something like that, and then it'll have a crack, and you'll say, oh, look at this. I thought it was bad that there was a crack in the wall, and it turned out I was, there was diamonds inside. You don't need the, 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 the medium of, of tumma. Uh, at least that's not what it seems. And a better and more interesting interpretation that we all remember is, and this actually speaks to us nowadays, that the Negatsaras can sort of expose the, the, the phonies out there because one of the salient features of this, if you think about it, is the radical loss of privacy. That to me is like the most interesting aspect of the Negebotim. You know, the house is many things. It's a place of shelter from the elements. It's a place of, uh, you know, we can sleep and, and so on and so forth. Uh, it's a place where the family hangs around together. Uh, you know, it's, it's a place for you to, to, to keep your uh, property. Yeah, it, people own things. If they just were la- laying on the street, anybody can go and steal it. You have a house. It's, it's, it's uh, locked up or, you know, forbidden away from the public in one sense or the other. If, when times are good, you don't need to lock the house. When I was a kid, now I'm going to sound like Sam Levinson, when I was a kid in Baltimore, Maryland, this is really true. I'm not making this up. People didn't lock the houses, especially in the summertime. Nobody had air conditioner when I was young. And uh, they used to have all the windows open all night with the screens, without screens. And the front doors and the back doors were open, wide open, just the screen door was there. That way you hoped to get a little bit of breeze. It didn't really work because Baltimore has a terrible climate in the summer. But we did the best we could. Who today would think Bechlal about, you know, leaving a, a door unlocked at any time? Uh, you're asking for trouble. But in normal times, you don't need to do it. But Avot Pekain, the, the idea of the, of the Tzorah, I mean, the idea of the, of the house is, this is my property and get out of it. You, it's not yours. You don't have to come, right to come in and take something in mind. So it's important possess in, in, in ownership, private ownership. And another function house, and maybe the main function, I mean, I don't know, you could debate it, is the privacy, correct? My house is a zone where I do what, what I want, and, 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 and it's none of your business. And so everybody lives, if I can use this terminology, in Roshusi Yachin Roshusi Arabim. That is to say, my personal life is my Roshusi Yachid. Uh, it's not your business. Uh, what I do, you know, is, is, is a privacy thing. And uh, when I want to interact with you, I have a Rabbim face. Now, we're all like that, okay? We're all like that. We have one, 
way we are knowing in the house or when we're by ourselves or something like that with family uh, um, circle. And another one, the way you present yourself out there in the street. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. The Torah believes in privacy too. We have even a concept in the Gemara called Hezekria, if you remember. Uh, you know, privacy is a basic right. In American law, this was articulated by Brandeis, you know, with the, with the, with the, who argued that the Constitution implies the right of privacy. I'm not a lawyer, but I remember that much. Uh, and so privacy is a very interesting thing. And it enables you, you know, to, uh, I don't want to say live two lives, because that's like a cynical way of talking about it. I don't mean it cynically, but I'm ser- seriously. I don't always have to be on to I am in public. So that means that every person, to some degree or another, is an actor. To some degree or another. Uh, that's the normal way. That's the social life. I act one way in public, act another way in private. And the idea is, therefore, that uh, I'm entitled to my privacy. It's one of the things in the Gemara. You're not supposed to walk in somebody's house without knocking on the door. You get it? There, there's a, a zechus, a person has some privacy. And that's how God created the human being. Ever since forever, people have been living these double lives. There are, of course, situations where people don't have that luxury. It's not appropriate. Uh, one case that comes to mind is the military, for example. The whole shot of being in a military situation army, besides the fighting and all that, is that you live a life with no Yachid. That is part of being in, in, in the military life. The soldiers all eat together, sleep together, they do everything else together. You know, the bathrooms are public and so forth. I remember I read a book once by a guy who was a chaplain in the Air Force and uh, a Jewish guy. And uh, the worst part about it for him was, uh, you know, the complete lack of privacy, you know, with the bathrooms and whatever. I get it. But uh, uh, when you are out of that, you live, quote, what we call a civilian life, what, what we'd like to think of as a normal life. You have the right of privacy. And the problem is that, of course, that privacy can be um, misused. It's a very precious. It's, it's, it's who you are in your inside. And you don't have to go and show it to everybody else. But that affords also the possibility that you can do bad things on the inside and, and fake everybody out. So basically, I'm talking about two different types of people, A and B. One person is a basically good person, the other one is not so good. The person who's good is entitled to live a private existence. He also, as a social creature, lives a public existence. You act one way when you're in shul or here or there, you know, in school or something like that, in business, and that's an appropriate way of relating to others. And you act a different way when you're in the house, by yourself, with your spouse, your family, and so on and so forth. That's why they always say you can't fool kids. You know, because they're with you all day long in the house. You can fool everybody else. You can't fool kids. But that's a cynical. I'm not talking about a, a bad person. I'm talking about a good person. So he lives in two zones. Then there's a bad person. A bad person is a faker. You act one way inside, one way outside, but they contradict each other. With the good guy, they don't contradict each other. They're just different. The way I'm knowing in my Rishus HaYachid is not identical to the way I'm knowing in Rishus HaRabim. Uh, you can, for example, dress more informally in the house, then you can dress in the, on the street as a called appropriate dress. The, the bad person, on the other hand, conducts two opposite types of life. 
on the street. He looks like a tzaddik, and now he's a Russia. <laughs> Get it? That's what we call tzviz. That's called uh, hypocrisy. You look one way here and one way there. Now, um, this is just the way it is. In other words, what I'm trying to point out is privacy can be abused, like everything else. There's nothing in the world that human beings can't appropriate and twist and use in a good way or a bad way. Privacy is a, is a very good example of that. You can use it in a positive way, you can use it in a good way. Uh, many, many people can't think unless they're in a private uh, by themselves. Other people are not like that, by the way. That's why yeshivas are funny. For some people, a base medish with all the screaming is a place to thrive. And other people, base medish is actually a turnoff because I can't I have to think myself. I want to go my own pace. Uh, I want to see the safe for myself. And uh, I experienced myself, uh, for example. I used to be in Yeshiva and the Kolel and so forth. When I went to work for the Art Scroll for, to do the Gemaras many, many moons ago, actually 30 years ago, uh, I found I couldn't do it in a base medrash. You understand? Because I had to go at my own pace and look up what I wanted to look and give it a thought. And all the commotion in the basement was antithetical to that. And I ended up for the first time learning those Gemaras and going all my farsh and everything else by myself in my house where, I could, where my mind was able to think better. Now, that's a personal business. Other people are not like that. Somebody else, many people say like this, you know, when I'm home, I'm bored, can't do anything on a base medish because everybody else is learning, so I'm also learning also. That's probably more usual. All I'm trying to say is, the privacy affords you a zone of existence that the public doesn't. And, but when it is misused, then the privacy is, in, is, is a negative because it allows you to fake everybody out. And more importantly, it allows you to get away with bad deeds that you could not get away with if it was in public. You know, th- th- no, then the privacy is actually a terrible thing. It's, it's, it's a poison. You understand what I'm saying? Think, for example, of these people you find that are abusers or whatever, you know, of their own family, of others. They thrive in the privacy. You, you get it? That, that's, a, I mean, that's a classic case of, case of abuse. They'll tell the victim, a kid or somebody, don't tell anybody else or you'll get in trouble. Or, you know, th- this is the world in which they thrive. So all of a sudden, the bias, the private zone, comes a terrible place. Uh, and that... The Chazal say in their way is a reason for the negative bias. I don't say it's the reason or the only reason. No such thing like that, but it's a reason. And I think the way they put it is like this. Somebody claims I don't have any money to give for tzedakah. I'm poor. And then you get a nigga in the house, and then everything, all the uh, the, the stuff we have to be taken out of the house. And people are like this. Look, he's got a lot of good money. He's a rich guy. He was a, he was a liar. In other words, you will be exposed. Your Roshut will become a Roshut Your privacy will be shredded. The whole world will see what you have, and uh, you'll be shown for the liar that you are. In which case, think about what I'm about to tell you. In the Parsha and the Negatharas, there's a whole long thing in which um, the Cohen goes in and looks at the house, and then he, and before he comes, he says, I guess, take everything out of the house, and uh, only Bidievit, Bidievit, if nothing else happens, did he end up knocking the house down. But really, originally, there's a hezker, there's a quarantine in the house, and so forth. And part of the process, at the very beginning, is the, it says in the Chumash, right? He says, take out everything from, t- t- take out all the, uh, the the goods of the house, right? Um, how does he say over here? 
Take all the things out of the house. Now, the technical reason is because if it becomes tummy, you don't want all your goods to become tummy. But, and I get that. But at the same time, it's the biggest uh, embarrassment. And that itself can be the musar, the, the chastisement. You follow what I'm saying? If the person is misusing the private, then the expo- exposure of his private stuff. In this particular case, the guy claims, I can't give tzedakah. And so all this stuff is taken in the house, and people say, you can give tzedakah. And then you're exposed for a phony and a liar and a miser and all that sort of thing. That itself is the punishment. And then it could be that the bias doesn't have to be knocked down, because God busted you. You understand what I'm saying? If the, the, the nature of the private is it affords you the opportunity to be a hypocrite, then the public exposure of what the contents of your house deprives you of the power to be a hypocrite and the embarrassment that you suffer, which is pretty bad, that becomes the atonement, as it were. Or let's put it this way, that fixes it. Because from then on, this guy can't claim that I can't give tzedakah, using that particular model. Right? They can't, can't claim it anymore. Um, so that's just, you know, it's always struck me, you know, especially in the modern context, to be something very interesting. Now, uh, so it's the notion of the exposure of the private to the public. But the story goes on, as we all know, when you read the Parsha. And uh, it could come to the... Let me put it this way. The coin comes, he checks out the house, he sees those colors on the wall, and he says, we're going to put him in quarantine and see what happens later on. Uh, the general idea of going through that whole shtick before you come to the final visit, and the coin said, well, this house is ir- irrevocable, irremediable, and it's got to be destroyed. Uh, that's actually very interesting. Because what it means, at least as I understand it, which is all I can ever give you, is that you have some people that, as they say before, the, the, the uh, threat, the uh, chastisement, the exposure, that suffices. Meaning there are some people that could be acting bad behind closed doors. But the fact that a Cohen had to come and check out the house and so on and so forth is the, uh, is the thing that repairs the situation. The guy says, oh, I better get my act together. I don't want this house to get through it. I don't want another visit from the coin. Fair darf does. How do you like it if a coin you lived at that time and a coin shows up and the whole neighborhood's talking? Oh, Kanegan nearly by bias. You know, that, that, that's bad enough. And to use from language, the guy does teshuva. So then this stuff goes away. But there's some people that are incorrigible. Consider well. The coin comes, he checks out the house, he puts the place in quarantine, he comes later, and the neg is bigger. So what does that tell you? God is sending a message. What is the message? Nothing's going to work with this guy. He's not going to repent. This house, this Rishusarabim, this privacy, has to be destroyed. And actually, it's Tommy. It's not only has to be destroyed. It's declared Tommy. When, what, do you, what do you do with the with the house and the and the stuff there, you you, you take it to a makom tummy. That's what it says over there. So in other words, I walk by. It seems that people used to have certain locations where they threw away tummy stuff. Uh, we never give much thought to how people removed garbage and whatever in the old days. But the removal and storage of waste is a gigantic problem in any society. It's a huge problem in our modern society. I'm not an engineer or anything like that, but I know it is. And it's one of those uh, problems that could sink us. 
I think there's enough plastic out there to wipe out the ocean or whatever, you know, not to be a, too much an environmentalist, but I'm serious. You know how this expresses itself in your life and mine? Seamus. What do you do with all the Seamus? I mean, I'm not being funny. We do all the Seamus. There's no room. You know, it's a terrible thing, people putting more books, uh, the, these uh, partial sheets and a hundred other things. Like, what do you do with all the Seamus? Physically. So there was a time long ago that the, the material goods weren't that many. So I have a place called Muckum Tommy. That's where you throw things out. Uh, so, wait a minute. I walk by the, 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 the side of the Tumor, and there's a Friedman's uh, name with the house. And there's Schwartz's name. And there's a Cohn's name. And there's the Cassidy, you know. Now, your, your, your Tumor is exposed once again to the public. It's located in, in a Malcolm Tommy. Again, the uh, exposure of the private to the public in a, in a condemnatory way. And things can get to the point where you, the, the house has to be destroyed, as we know. And uh, then you have to rebuild. Imagine this. Somebody who's really incorrigible. I'll just give you an example. They say these abuser types are incorrigible. I, I, I'm not an expert in that. But, you know, once you got it in you, it, it doesn't go away. You can possibly control it. I mean, con when I say control it, others can control whatever, you know, with the regime of, uh, of uh, watching. And it's a terrible thing. There are people with bad habits. And certain types of bad habits that thrive in the house. In the private, okay. Abuse is a very good example. It it, it thrives in the private, um, you know, away from the publicity. And here the Torah is saying we're going to get rid of publicity. So imagine a person who's incorrigible. So he lives in a bias, and then eventually gets a nega, and they go through the whole guns of business. And because he can't do teshuva, because that's who the person is, can't get rid of it. So they end up destroying the house. And then what do they do? They you know, they, they rebuild the house. That doesn't solve the problem. When you rebuild the house, it's also going to get a nega. <laughs> right? If they knock that down, a third time it'll get a nega. Because it's not a one-time deal. It's a manifestation of what's going of what's wrong in the house. To use Shakespeare's language, something rotten in the state of Denmark, you know? Something rotten in the house. And that's the way thousands of years ago these people were exposed. Because somebody was like this. Vosep is with this family. It's the third house they're into. Each time they build a house, it gets knocked down. These are people to stay away from. I don't know what it is, but God is sending a message. Stay away from these guys. And so it result in their social isolation. Now, at least that's how I understand it. You understand? It's social isolation, in which case you end up with a kind of bodod shave in the sense that they're not kicked out of the city like the other Saras, you know, we go to, to, the, to, to a quarantine house, but de facto... You're exposed. So um, imagine a person says, I guess, I really changed. I'm not going to do it anymore, all the rest of it. Really? So how come your house keeps getting the red blotches? And your new house keeps getting the red blotches? This is a way, at least I think, um, in the old world, before you had uh, you know, psychologists and uh, the police and all the rest of it, to expose those who misused the privacy of uh, of the house uh, to get away with bad things get away with bad things and uh, if what I'm getting at with all this is that suppose someone had a house and then it got the red marks and then the coin came and he quarantined the house in the end the red marks went away that does not mean the guy was innocent what does it mean he repented you follow? Again, you have a social exposure. 
Because people say, oh, yes, why do you have to, why, why did God make the red marks? Uh, you know, something was there. Now, maybe he got past it. And this is demonstrated by the fact that you have this, uh, uh, what shall I say, uh, purification ceremony. Well, what is the story with the purification ceremony? Uh, it's, it's, it's not when the house was destroyed. It's when the house turns out in the end to be not necessary to destroy it. What does it say over here? Uh, if it didn't spread, you see the expression, that the nega turns out to have been uh, healed, meaning whatever the problem was now went away. Not that the coin says, oh, it turns out it was just a, a, a housing problem. It wasn't a, a nega tarash. You know, it was a big mistake. That's a different thing. If a coin would come and say, I'm, I'll just make up a scenario. There's Kohen A and Kohen B. And let's say a guy has some red junk on the walls. So he calls Kohen A. Who could be a 20-year-old guy? He doesn't know anything. And he said, oh boy, you got a Negatsaras over here. Oh my goodness. And now we have to be Mazgir the house and all this kind of stuff and maybe scratch away the, uh, the, the infected part. You know, whatever. And then that Kohen goes away, goes out of town to a Hasana. And, uh, and then you call in another coin a few weeks later. This coin is 45 years old. Experienced guy. And this coin comes and says, like that's a nega. That ain't no nega, you know. My young colleague thought he saw a nega. That's not a nega. Right? It's, it's a, it's a uh, structural problem. Right? You got, uh, you know, some, uh, what's the expression? You know, you have some uh, rotting in the wall. You have bad mater- building materials. That's a different story altogether. That means that there was nothing there in the first place. But what we're talking this week's Pasha is near Pah Nega. There was something there, but it went away, which means the person repented in some fashion or other. So it still is bad. It still is bad. It means that you were doing something wrong. Except that now your God believes that you're really not going to do anything wrong anymore. You got the lesson. And that's why it's necessary to have that weird ceremony in which you say, you take this very vivid uh, ceremony everybody can see and you know you take the hyssop and the, and, and you shecht one bird and then and you pour the blood into a, a bowl with water and then you dip the other bird in the blood of the first bird right? isn't that strange So and then you send the bird away so here I am and I'm sitting in my house and a bird lands on my uh, porch and it's a bird which is covered with blood <laughs> so I so said I know where you've been <laughs> right I know you, but you were, you were part of that ceremony. And uh, what is that? That's a public exposure to say, listen, in the end, the house is saved, but it wasn't Pashat. You have the Azov, the Hyssop, and the, and the cedar. And, you know, the Chazal read a lot of symbolism in it. The cedar is tall, the Hyssop is short. You know, you have arrogance and whatever. Uh, but as I said before, to my understanding, the best way of looking over here is, uh, are we exposing the private for a reason. Um, and it's always unpleasant to look at someone else's private matters, but you and I live in a time when uh, it's kind of necessary. And the reason I say it is because the world is full of liars. And the from world too. It's full of liars and phonies. And... Um, we don't have a, a negative saras uh, bias like they did in the old days, but the equivalent, I know you're going to laugh at what I'm about to say, but I don't mean this to be funny, 
He says, the equivalent nowadays is internet. Because they're always exposing, uh, you know, uh, hypocrisy. Here's some, uh, and again, I'm not talking about the Geisha world. They have their problems. I'll put that aside. I don't care about that. I'm talking about the from world. Here's somebody that looks like he's a big uh, tzaddik and all the rest of it turns out not. Here's a person that comes across, you know, claiming that they're uh, raising money for a good cause. Turns out they're stealing it. Uh, you know, all these things we see all the time. In, in the current crisis, although it's not exactly the same thing, here the people who say nobody should, should, should dive in the shul, and then they do. You understand? They sneak into the shul, sneak into the mikvah. Uh, the, which means you're abusing the private, okay? Because you see nobody's watching me. And so outside, I look like I'm listening to the rules. And inside, in my, in my privacy, I'm operating in a completely different way. So this dissonance between what you see in the public and what you see in the private can really get out of hand. It can be problematical. And it is destructive of social relationships. You understand? Because I don't know who I'm talking to. You come to my door, I meet you, you talk one way. And in my mind, it's like this. Sounds one way, but I don't know what it is in, in, behind closed doors. You see people that sound very uh, pious, and then you find out that, uh, you know, behind doors there are different people. I can't even tell you, again, I'm going to say something that sounds funny, and you're going to laugh at what I'm saying. I'm just speaking from experience. I'm not a young person. And I found people, again, I'll just, I'll just put it out there, I found people who always come to me with very from complaints, and they sound super pious. Very, very often it turns out there's some schmutz in their background, you know, privately, secretly, there, there's something wrong in their personal life and how they interact. So in other words, what they're showing in Rishut Rab is the opposite of what's going on in Rishut Sayyachet. You understand? The opposite of what's going on in Rishut Sayyachet. It's a hypocrisy. Um, and, you know, this is, this is part of the human condition. How do I... Now, if I don't give you money and I don't listen to you and I have nothing to do with you, it doesn't matter. But if for one reason or I'm dependent on you, let's say, for example, you're my, my kid's teacher or something like that. Or let's say you're somebody I, I rely on in business or somebody in shul, or a rabbi, or something like that, you know, so I'm a prisoner of the hypocrisy, because I only see what I see, I don't know what's going on in the bias, and it could be, your bias is, uh, you know, is a negatzaras. In the old days, when the Torah w- w- was in full operation, back in the ancient times, I could tell, because if you, uh, f- for example, if you were a, uh, I'm just, again, I'm just making cases up, if you were a rabbi, and you acted like real from over here, then people say yes. Then why is this all this stuff on your walls? Why do your house have to get knocked down? Something epis is going on in the house, right? God is exposing you because there's no other way for anybody to know. So today we don't have that, except the uh, you know if 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 people expose through publicity the the uh, misdeeds of others. The problem is it makes one gigantic kill Hashem. I get that, but what's the alternative? The alternative is the person should continue to abuse or continue to cheat, or raise money for its tzedakah and then keep it for himself, or things like that. It's a, you know, it's, it's, it's such a world. Uh, you know where this is most Nogea? Again, I'm a, it, it, you, it, you're going to think it's amusing, but it's not amusing at all. Where is this most Nogea? After all, me, myself, and I, what do I have to know somebody else in uh, Chicago, Eretz Yisrael, somewhere? I don't really have to know what's going on in their bias. Uh, it's Nogea, uh, particularly where should do him. Because when you're in that parsha, you're trying to find out about somebody else. We specialize today because we have to in hypocrisy. The way people and families present themselves, klape chutz, can be the opposite of what's going on klape pnim. 
Now, again, I don't expect the way you see yourself and present yourself in public is identical with the way it's going on in your house. Everybody puts their best foot forward. That's okay. As long as, the, as one is not the opposite of the other. So if you walk around well-dressed outside and not well-dressed in the house, I get that's normal. Yeah, I, I understand that. If you walk around super, uh, you know, careful of certain things outside and less inside, that's normal. But if you're good on the outside and you scream and are bad and are, uh, you know, uh, behave uh, in an evil fashion inside, that's a problem. But how do I know? A boy meets a girl, a girl meets a boy. This one investigates that family, that one gets this family. How, how are you supposed to find out? And what people end up doing is, you know, they call the neighbors, they call this one and the other, but it's a very imperfect system. Uh, and in the old days, a time in the Chumash, at least one of the things you'd ask is like this. Uh, you want me to, to make a shit up with that family? Did they ever have a negative to us? <laughs> Did they ever get called by the Kohen? Uh, you know, that at least would be a, uh, a flag. Uh, nowadays we don't have this. And so we end up having to rely on Lashahara, you know. Uh, you hope somebody will tell some if, if I have a boy trying to meet a girl, if a girl trying to meet a boy, there's a time for Lashahara. You know, if, if this family is really acting in the house in a very bad way that they're hiding from the public, which is what everybody does, I want to know if it's for my son, my daughter, my grandson, my grandson. You, know, you want to know. That's the time uh, of this. So I simply end by calling your attention in this Parshish Mitzorah to this very interesting Parsha, which doesn't exist now. We don't have a negative to us now. But the concept is very powerful, at least to me. The relationship between the public and the, and the private, and by that I mean the way you present yourself in public versus what present, what, what you present yourself in the bias, and the way for the public to tell if there's opposite behavior between one and the other is an existential problem that never goes away. There was a time long ago where God kind of helped you out. <laughs> uh, but that was as a chus. When the Bnei Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael and they were under uh, Shechina and all that, this considered part of their elevated way of living. That, uh, you know, uh, this kind of behavior would be exposed. Nowadays we don't have this. And so uh, we're bereft by this because we have to resort to other means, which are highly imperfect. And anybody ends up in a bad shit situation, a bad situation, as a result of being deceived, knows exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, I think that's food for thought. It's funny, of course, that you mentioned the, the Hezger, the, the quarantine in the house, because our houses are now in quarantine. No, they're not. We're in quarantine, not the house. That's a big difference. Uh... If I'm acting okay, it's just circumstances compel all of us to be in the house. That's different. What they're talking about in the parsha is that the bias was Muzgar, meaning that there was something Tuma in the house. That's very different than being quarantined in the house. So uh, I conclude by saying that we should at least be glad that you know we're being quarantined to people, but the house is okay, as opposed to having a negative Saras in the bias, which would mean that there would be bad conduct. Now, I read some articles online here and there that there's, you know, uh, what is spouse abuse on the rise and this and that and the other. That could just be a result of the fact that people are cooped up. It's terrible, of course. That doesn't mean necessarily, you know, that that's what goes on. But it might. It might. So it may be that as a result of all these, uh, you know, uh, all of us being isolated in the houses, that um, interesting aspects of family uh, relationships 
will become more manifest. That I don't know. But I just wanted to leave you with this food for thought. Take a look tomorrow. We're all home. We can't go anywhere. You have to read a double parasha. A lot of stuff sounds generally boring. I hope I called your attention to something that'll be less boring because uh, when you get to Saras it, 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 of a bias, it raised the question, what is my house like? What's your house like? And what is the difference between how we act in the house and, and, and how we act in the street? As I say before, they're not identical, but it's a problem if they're antithetical, if they're opposite one to the other. Uh, maybe it's a good family discussion to say, do we, do we fake everybody out and act one way in public and act the opposite when we're in private? Anyway, it's food for thought. And it's also Rosh Chodesh. I will be a good Rosh Chodesh. And with that, I bid you a good Shabbos and a good Chodesh. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.